not that the old guys are wrong, and it's not that the, the science is right. It's, it's a combination of the two. It all comes down to the interpretation of the information by the athlete. You know, when you're, when you're looking at the swing, you have to learn how to navigate the highway and build the highway before you focus on just the end. We want to have a framework for our swing, and we need to build a framework before we build the variability. Right? Variability is great, but good athletes are also very good compensators, and they don't always compensate well. So just because we're doing variability work doesn't mean we're, we're learning good movements. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome back our first-time listeners. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. On this episode, we sit down with Eugene Bleeker, founder of 108 Performance. Eugene also plays a dual role at 108 as the Director of Player Development. 108's foundation is based in sports science, and Eugene's unique training methods are changing the way that we train players. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Eugene Bleeker. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast. We're here with Eugene Bleeker from 108 Performance. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Um, you know, I've talked to this uh, Joey quite a bit. Really good dude. Does a very good job. Uh, very good young coach. So uh, it's a pleasure to be on and, and happy to be here and, um, you know, hope to have a great conversation. Well, Eugene, you know, a big reason I wanted to bring you on is obviously you bring tremendous value to the game, but also um, I think you have tremendous insight on motor learning um, and also to your approach of how you teach athletes. Um, I think it's definitely unique. And also to um, when it comes to a society role or just the coaching in general, I think you, it doesn't matter what sport. I love how you come across with the balancing of the tools we use and, you know, how we go about things and how we approach other coaches with different insights. And um, I think you just have tremendous value and you can provide all of us with some insight uh, here moving forward. Well, I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, that means a lot. I just uh, think that, um, you know, the game needs uh, ambassadors that are going to focus on bringing people together as opposed to tearing them apart. Um, I think that people get too caught up and focused on the, the 5% that we are different rather than 95% that we are the same. Uh, you know, everybody in this thing, first of all, anybody that coaches, period, uh, is doing it not for, at least I certainly hope not for the money, because the money's not very good. <laughs> um, they're doing it because they, uh, you know, they have a passion for the sport uh, or specifically for the game of baseball. They They love young people. They had coaches that had a huge impact on them growing up. And, you know, they in turn want to have the same kind of impact on, on other people's lives. And, 
Um, you know, we all share all those things, you know, we all love the game and we all kind of live, eat, sleep and breathe it. Right. So, you know, that's on one hand why we're so passionate about certain things, but on the other hand, like, you know, we're really all 95% the same, man. It's 5% that's, that's different and people need to focus on the, uh, the similarities. And then when, when it comes to the differences, um, have more conversations, uh, rather than, um, you know, uh, more positivity rather than, than negativity, you know, bridging that gap of information because there's still so much that we don't know. Uh, baseball is the um, highest degree of, um, I mean, I guess the best way to explain it is be that it's the most complex and dynamic movement system in sports. Uh, swinging and throwing to me is the hardest two skills to, to execute. It's a very high degree of skill execution. Uh, it takes a lot of coordinated effort from the entire body to be able to accomplish the tasks. And, you know, it's the least studied. We have the least research. It's the least studied. And people know the least about it. So, you know, I think we all need to humble ourselves and uh, dig in and, and make our toolboxes as, as big as we can possibly make them. You know, and that comes from sharing information with like-minded individuals and opening up our minds. So I think those things are huge. Before we kind of jump into some of those subjects and, and spreading some more knowledge, can you kind of give our listeners a, a little bit into the into your journey and um, how you got to this point with 108? Oh, geez. Uh, which part of it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a long one. It's a long one. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I've been obsessed with the game since I was a kid. Um, you know, I went to an academy for 10 years growing up. Every year when I go to the ABCA, I see a whole bunch of my old coaches from when I was a kid. I saw, geez, I saw Ed Waters this year there from, uh, he was out from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, I believe, down in Florida. Uh, but he used to come up to my academy every year uh, in New York when I was a kid. Last time I saw him, I was probably 16 years old, and I saw him this year at the ABCA. So, um, you know, I've, I've been, uh, in the game and around the game passionately for a really long time. Um, you know, uh, played in college, uh, was a very mediocre college player, uh, worked really hard to be good. And, you know, I got, uh, worked really hard to be average. I would say, uh, I was a good catch and throw guy. Um, the hitting escaped me a little bit, you know, and then eventually I moved out to California. I was trying to sign a free agent contract. I was going to you know, uh, tryouts all over the country, and I moved here to, to train and to, to play and uh, started coaching guys, and, you know, one thing leads to another, and I ended up, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll skip fast forward here, I was leading uh, or running baseball ops, I should say, at a large multi-sport facility, and wanted to go a different direction, and, um, you know, opened up 108 in November of 2014, and wanted to get away from the traditional approach. I felt like I was ahead of the game a little bit on the hitting and the throwing side and had seen a lot of really good success uh, from those two programs I was running and wanted to provide guys an environment to come in on an everyday basis. And rather than focusing on, um, you know, travel ball and practices and stuff like that, I wanted to really dig in on the, on the swing patterns and the throwing patterns and really obsessing over that. I felt like I could make huge strides. Uh, I just kind of locked in on those two things and, um, you know, here we are. Hearing from your story. So since you were an all American 12 year MLB vet hall of fame, you know, b baseball player, yeah. that's the only yeah. reason that you know anything about the swing, right? Eugene, like those are the only reasons and the only way you can figure anything out about the swing. 
Yeah, man, totally. But uh, it's funny how it works. You know, I think that uh, the best the best coaches uh, were not the best players, and you see it in every other sport. You see it in basketball. You see it in football. Um, but for some reason, you know, for some reason, everything is ba- is different in baseball. It's like it's on a different planet. You know, like things um, things don't apply to that. You know, like motor learning doesn't apply to baseball, and science doesn't apply to baseball. And if you didn't do it, you don't know. Well, here's the thing: uh, the guys that played the game know way more than people give them credit for like what what they understand about the game is is the feel okay they have the feel and what they felt that they did is not wrong and that's where everybody gets it wrong and that's where some of the issues now come into play and that's where young players are actually going to lose it because it's in the middle somewhere the truth is in the middle it's not that the old guys are wrong and it's not that the, the science is right. It's, it's a combination of the two, right? Like when a guy talks about, uh, you know, hands, hands to the ball, hands to the ball, it all comes down to the interpretation of the information by the athlete, right? Now, when you think back to like the guy in the 70s or the 80s, remember when the, the weight room was banned, right? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't even allow baseball players in big league baseball to lift weights. Why? Why is that? Because innately, somehow, some of those guys knew that when a really stiff mover got in the weight room, they got too stiff, and they couldn't maintain their looseness and their ability to glide around the diamond. They had enough strength, they had enough connection, right? And that connection thing, man, uh, this baseball training is going to go a long way in the next five to ten years. Uh, We are in the infancy stages of understanding where – uh, you know, the force production and, and where the energy is really, truly coming from, because it's definitely not uh, individual muscular components, which is which is generally speaking how people view it. And those, those stiff movers, man, they, uh, they don't have to work hard for their velocity. They don't have to work hard for their exit velocity. You know, when, when that old coach, when he says, hey, man, you know, uh, be slow to be smooth and smooth is fast. Be easy and you'll throw your hardest. Be easy and you'll hit the ball your farthest. Well, to a guy like me, to guys like us, that doesn't make sense because we did that and, and we hit the ball harder now than we did when we played, right? Like <laughs> I, I, now, I take my old college swing of 84. I swing like I know how now of 97. Well, guess yeah. what? I'm a loose mover. I was not blessed with that kind of body type. Right, but it doesn't work that way for everybody. Those guys are not stupid. They might not be able to explain it to you, but radar guns were around. They know that, man, I was 93, and when I tried to hit 95, I went down to 90, and when I tried to be at 90, I went up to 95. As stupid as that sounds, that is real. And anybody that's been around the game long enough has seen it. They've seen it in the bullpen. They've seen it with their hitters. And for some of those guys, them thinking too much with the body, they lose their pattern. They lose their pattern. They don't hit the ball as well. They need to think just hands. Their body, their body goes. Their body goes at the right time. I've never seen anybody like take a swing and not actually rotate. Right? Like yeah. you're gonna, well, you're gonna rotate. It's just about the timing and the sequencing of it. And different guys get sent up in different ways. You know, so so that's the the reality that people need to come to. Uh, new new coaches now need to stop bashing those guys because you know what? Those guys know what they felt. They don't know how to explain it, but they know what they felt and they were right. But on the same token, 
they have to realize they didn't get half of that information until they got to Pro Bowl and they got tips from other guys that were similar to them. But now when they provide that same information, they got it 20 years old to a seven-year-old kid. The seven-year-old kid interprets the information completely differently. And as a result, looks nothing, does nothing, and doesn't train like that guy ever trained or looked like he ever looked. So, you know, we still have a long way to go. There's a lot of balance of information that we need to come to grips with. But um, it's, uh, it's awesome. The game's moving forward. I love it. Kind of reverting back to the 84-mile-an-hour exit velo, Eugene. One quote I loved in your interview with the head of the curve was when you talked about how you grew the most in your career when you stopped looking at what everyone did the same and kind of started to examine what they did different. Can you elaborate on that a little bit and what that did for you and what that can allow some of these athletes that are looking for answers to do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What a loaded question and a good question. I would say that I used to focus a lot on uh, positions, right? So, like, you know, you look at pools, you look at each point of contact position. Oh, it's the same. You look at landing position. Oh, it's the same. First of all, it's not the same. Uh, It's similar. And Mm -hmm. second of all, I don't think I've ever done an evaluation where little Johnny, regardless of how good or bad he was as a hitter, didn't get to a position at contact off a tee where you could put a picture up on the wall and say, oh, look, he's so good, mm-hmm. uh, even not very good, uh, because the positions are important. It's how we move through them that's more important. And, you know, like when you start looking for, okay, well, you know, here's these two guys, and if I choose to look at it through my current lens, sure, I can see what I want to see. I could see a locked out front leg with some angle, right? I could see a good center of mass. I could see, you know, trunk rotation on the top side. I could see, I could see those things if I'm choosing. But, but what's different? What's different? Are their hands the same? Is the, is the wrist positioning the same? Is one wrist cupped and the other one's flat? Okay, there's a difference. Is one guy's back foot still on the ground and the other one's off? Is one guy's angled behind and the other guy's is straight? Is what positions we get to tell a story about what's happened previously in the movement? You know what I mean? Like it's it's a big storytelling equation, and and you know you have to learn to understand what you're looking at and what's creating the environment for those things to happen and what's going to happen after them as a result. So understanding that stuff is, is huge. And so that was a two-part question. The first piece you asked was about what I started to look for differently. What was the second piece again? How that can kind of help some of these guys that might struggle looking oh for Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. The best part. I don't know how I can forget that. Okay. <laughs> so everybody in this world wants something easy. Okay? They, wanna, they want an eight-week program. They want a <laughs> magic pill. They want six drills to success. They want to stand on one leg and reverse pattern their barrel and snap it backwards and automatically that's going to make them good. Uh, it, do- it doesn't work like that. Uh, it will never work like that. Uh, those things ruin just as many people as they help, if not more. And what you need to realize is that everybody is built differently. Everybody needs different things. There are no quick fixes. Um, If you're a player out there and you're trying to hunt for information, you're trying to get better, uh, you got to dig. You got to dig, man. You got to look around. You got to look for different stuff. You have to 
look at guys that, that are share similar things to you. You have to try and explore different things. Uh, you can't just lock yourself into stuff uh, without understanding what it really is or what it really means. Or, you know, like, you know how many guys I see talking about their back hip right now getting stuck? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so if you if you're an, if you're a stick mover, a lot of elite baseball players have poor internal rotation on their back leg, like they have poor IR. Now that can be a really beneficial thing because it gets in the end range faster, which creates you know quicker trunk rotation. At least they start it faster. Um, if you start with that back foot pinched in at all, or or even even, and and you start already loaded into that back hip, you're starting at end range. Right, which means there's no yeah. ability to load and unload the joint because you're starting in a preset end range. Right. Mm-hmm. So guys get stuck. They get stuck. They can't move freely. They can't be as explosive as they have the capability to be. And they're making themselves worse, even though they think they're making themselves better. So everybody is different. Everybody needs something different. You know, and that's that's the biggest thing right now in the game is that players like our college group this summer is amazing. Like, I can't even wait to meet the rest of the guys coming into town. But the guys that we have so far, like, we got dudes from all over the country that are like, we're doing the evals. They're, they're, they've studied this and studied that. We're talking for hours. It's freaking awesome. Like, they're, they've been hunting and they're hungry for information. But it's even hard for them to disseminate this stuff, you know, because there's so much, so many different things. So having a clear pathway is important. I mean, that's, and that's something we try to work on a lot with guys. Yeah. And uh, Eugene, you know, one thing I would say when I was talking about in the beginning, kind of about how your approach for teaching is like, in my opinion, you're more of a teacher of movement. You really take more of like a motor learning approach to teaching. And so some people might run past that and be like, well, yeah, it's, you know, obviously people have to motor learn, but there's obviously a science behind motor learning and, and how to, learn skill acquisition and i i really want you to dive into why that's important and also to you teach through progressions and why progressions are important when you're actually teaching someone a new movement okay two-part question again first of all um people are talking a lot about constraint-based training right like constraint yeah. approach constraint approach so depending on the, the the group you're working with like the movers specifically um a lot of them have the you know uh most difficult constraint already previously placed on them uh which is a previously you know a hardwired central nervous system pattern of movement they already have specific neural pathways from which they move they have a framework already they operate within that framework they operate unconsciously competent within that framework they do it to a T. They do it to a moving ball. They do it from years of of uh, cueing and coaching and drilling, and you know that's who they are. So, if you want to build that thing differently, and you want to alter that, you know, and you want to alter that to a point where in games it can be different and it can be unconsciously competent, you got to break that thing down. Like one one of the biggest problems that guys have or coaches in general is like transferability. You know. They say, oh, a guy does it off tee, I'm doing the game. Well, you can't go from a tee to the game. And generally speaking, you can't learn new movements with a bat and a ball. Like, mm-hmm. you need to break them down. At least that's how I found the most success. If anybody finds something better than that, please share with me. Let me know uh, because I'm always down to try anything and try to figure out different ways to make guys better. But, um, 
the best way I've found is to break the swing down into isolated patterns. Um, so whether the focus is on the trunk or the hands or the lower half or a very specific piece of that, um, we want to become aware of it. Uh, we want to become conscious of the movement that we're trying to create, conscious of the difference between the good and the bad, isolate that movement, make it feel good for the mover, help them understand what it feels like for yes and what it feels like for no. Uh, when you wake that stuff up, now I don't believe you can teach mechanics. You got to teach feelings. You know, you mm. got to teach feelings. You got to build them up. You know, you got to break them down, build them up. Um, so you focus on these different components and then you work on putting them all together and you learn the movement first and then you can incorporate, you know, bat and the ball and the tee. And mm. that doesn't even mean you're taking actual regular swings. Like, mm. uh, it's easier to learn positions than it is movements. Um, so starting a guy in an altered positioning to create a focus on, a different movement pattern for instance uh say we want to isolate the connection of the upper half and we want to feel the barrel get depth into a really good swivel out front of the body uh, we may put a guy in like an open 45 degree position uh, or a 90 90 position so like the feet are facing forward towards the pitcher or at a 45-degree angle towards the pitcher with the hips open, and the trunk is rotated out and over the plate with posture. And from there, because the lower half is already opened up, it has to work less. And we can focus on the upper body turning, creating depth to the barrel, and focusing on the movement of the hands, right? Mm -hmm. So as you go through different progressions like that, you can create feel for those movements. And then as you build up that field through those different drills and different progressions, you, uh, you know, you shrink them. So one of the things with the learner, uh, by doing something 70 times in a row, you don't just go from 70 of those to 70 regular swings. I don't find that to work as well. Something that I picked up a long time ago, I think it was 2010 in Dallas from Woolforth and Strom was uh, blending, you know, doing blending with pitchers. Um, you know, doing this, 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 and this all to create, you know, something within a regular move. So we might do two of these drills, two of those drills, two of these, and then two regular swings, and then two of these, two of these, two of these, and then two regular swings. And even the regular swings might be from uh, the constraint of being in the launch position. So starting with the front foot, uh, post stride, uh, you know, already with the hands back. Uh, in a position where it's time to turn, time to capture energy. Um, that way we can focus on the simplicity of capturing the energy. Uh, because the reality is um, when you look at the swing itself, right, I view the swing, and I know there's different standpoints on this, but don't let the vernacular uh, confuse what the ultimate goal is. Um, I view the swing itself beginning from that position because that's when the barrel is going to start from that locked in position and start to turn. And yes, things happen for a lot of hitters prior to that, that help them in their swing, right? Like a guy might have a little bit of a barrel tip, which helps him, uh, you know, get that uh, elbow dropping into the slot, get that barrel dropping in behind the back shoulder. And that might be something that helps him. 
but the swing itself, by my definition, is starting to happen from the time that we land. And when you look at force transfer, uh, currently everybody uh, everybody's focused on the engine. Everybody's focused on building the Ferrari, right? But the reality is your body is the Ferrari is trying to transfer force and energy along a really windy dirt road, a really windy dirt road. And if you don't navigate the roadway roadway well, right, you can step on the gas pedal and have this great engine and it buries you off the side of a cliff. You can't hold on to the pattern of movement well. Not everybody is built to, uh, you know, swing as hard as they can. Am I saying that's a bad thing? No, I'm saying that patterns trump all. Good patterns of movement trump all. And I don't care how a guy does it. And not enough people are focused on the brakes. Mm-hmm. Everybody's focused on the accelerator, the gas pedal, but the brakes are more important. Great players decelerate really, really well. They decel really, really well. Um, the hips need to stop for the trunk to go. The trunk needs to stop for the barrel and the hands to go. Um, so... You know, when you're when you're looking at the swing, you have to learn how to navigate the highway and build the highway before you focus on just the engine. Eugene, I'm 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 kind of disappointed. We we're about twenty something minutes in, and you haven't said the word PVC one time. And it's it's like talking to you and you not mentioning PVCs is unbelievable to me. That I, we always talk about PVCs. It's your favorite thing in the world. <laughs> My favorite, and I got news for you. Anybody out there listening right now, go cut up some PVC pipes to about two foot length and have your pitchers throw them and watch what happens. I've seen you've been doing that lately. What are are you guys pulling from that? Dude, amazing. We, we, we started, we were working on some stuff for some camps for some young guys this summer. And this was a little over a month ago and it was real late. It was about three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday park was out here uh you know staff was sitting around trying to figure out what to do with some of the camps and uh you know one of the trainers said to uh you know maybe some dodgeball type stuff and then um you know idea popped into my head to do a a bucket of crap drill let's just get a bucket of crap a whole bunch of different stuff and let's just throw it let's just throw it. we started thinking of different things to throw for variability work and you know, PVCs were one of them. And the next day, um, you know, one of our newer players was in there, and I uh, ran and gray. He was struggling with his pattern a little bit. It's a kid that's coming off a, a 14-year-old freshman. Uh, his arm was bothering him. He came in for his evaluation about uh, two months ago. And his high school coach is a good friend of mine, and he uh, had kind of uh, he'd just been to the doctor recently. He didn't have a tear. Uh, but it was bothering him. When you look at the pattern, it was awful. So he was in there that Saturday, and I ran and grabbed the PVCs, and I said, okay. I said, I just want you to throw these. Just throw them. Just pick it up and throw it. And he did it. And the first, second one was better. And I said, okay, close your eyes and throw it. Dude, the next 10 throws were about as pretty as they're going to get. Like, it was, uh, he was, he was just inside a 90 uh, the elbow path was clean. The, the spiral was gorgeous. The, the PVC is going straight. Um, it was unbelievable to watch, and we've been doing it a lot since. And it's just a, a tremendous, tremendous, uh, tremendous thing. 
PVCs are the greatest thing ever. And and the the jump on that too when it comes back to swings. Um, one thing I, I definitely stole a lot of your PVC stuff from you. Um, but one thing is just like you said, when you take the ball away and you take the bat away and you put give a different option, you know, object in their hand, no matter you know what it is, it could be. I don't know, something they pick off the floor. I mean, we used to pick up broomsticks when we were younger and, you know, somebody's throwing a tennis ball and we're swinging it or whatever. In any case, it, I think when you change that up, it just, the more natural swing comes out, the more natural arm path or, you know, pattern that you're talking about comes out. Have you experienced the same thing? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, there's a lot of great stuff to use. Um, you know, even for, for swings, I mean, we've uh, taken foam rollers and hit wiffle balls and wiffle balls dude okay wiffle balls for arm mapping awesome guys need to play more wiffle ball we were struggling with a guy two weeks ago and just had him to start throwing okay you know what let's just throw some wiffle balls see what happens and he was whipping them around it was amazing to watch like uh changing up implements is great for everything it forces us and it forces our brain out of the uh the the pattern it allows the mover to just do things differently they feel freer. They're not locked within the confines of this is what I do when I do this activity. Um, you know, we've been swinging uh, foam rollers at tennis balls and, and uh, wiffle balls. We've been uh, doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Greg Brown, amazing, amazing hitting coach, wonderful human being too, uh, head coach at Nova Southeastern. They, they do some pretty good damage down there. He's one of the best hitting coaches in the country, in my opinion, at the collegiate level. And uh, I got, some stuff from him and um dude tennis rackets man tennis rackets tennis balls would, would you say would you say too i mean obviously everybody's talking about constraints but just like you're saying i mean obviously there's psychological constraints and there's also physical constraints um huh? you know emotional constraints i mean you could go on and on but would you also say too everybody always talks about the positive thing is of constraints but constraints can also force bad patterns as well correct they sure can I'll tell you what, man, a lot of people talk about variability, variability, but here's the reality, okay? Um, the people with the most movement options are the worst hitters. When I look at a 12-year-old that can't take the same swing twice, that kid can't hit. When I look at a 12-year-old that repeats his movements really well, that kid's probably a good hitter. Better barrel-to-ball skills. They operate within a smaller framework. We want to have movement options, but we want them to be good options. We want to have a framework for our swing, and we need to build a framework before we build the variability, right? Variability is great, but good athletes are also very good compensators, and they don't always compensate well. So just because we're doing variability work doesn't mean we're, we're learning good movements, right? When you watch a video, like if you go on Baseball Savant, okay, and you type in, uh, you know, uh, 100 to 120 degrees, 10 to 35 launch, like whatever you want. When you look at, you know, the same hitters taking swings, you know, on the inside and the outside, you're, you're seeing similar patterns, man. They're very similar. They're not exactly the same. They're not. It's true. They're not exactly the same. Maybe no one's ever taken the same swing twice. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, the movement patterns are very very similar we're talking a small trout kicks back a little more on some and a little less on some uh you know he has a little more lateral tilt on some a little bit less on some 
but the patterns of movement, man, if you close your eyes, you can see their swing. The best hitters, if you close your eyes, you can visualize their swing uh, because they have, you know, a hammer zone that they work in and hunt for pitches, and they take similar swings to the right pitches and the right zones, and they don't miss them uh, more than everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they hunt for balls they can hammer, and it's in their zone. And when you really think about it, like, look at a golfer from the side on the drive, okay? It, the ball is in a similar placement on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. And if you looked at their swing, whether it's Jim Furyk or Tiger Woods, you're not going to know the difference whether it was, you know, now or this hole or that hole. Like, you know, those swings are very similar. Like, their swings are very – has Tiger Woods ever looked like Jim Furyk? Have you ever seen him and said, oh, yeah, that looks just like Furyk today? No, no. And, and you don't, and you don't uh, fix your slice okay by aiming for the trees <laughs> like it doesn't work like that okay but the best time to work with those type of approaches like just external goal outward focus all that stuff like young players that don't have those constraints on them it's amazing to watch we have an 11 uh, year old that'll um he's one of the early invites to the usa this year and you know, I, I put, uh, we were doing some, some weighted bat stuff with them. And normally, uh, and this was like maybe three weeks after he started. And usually he goes with his feet uh, fairly even. And, you know, he has been working a lot on holding the ground. And when he put the weighted bats in his hand and he was hitting them off the machine at a high velo, Naturally, I sat back and watched him close off more on his own. I have video sitting there watching him from like uh, pitch three until pitch 15, and he, he closed off more. He ended up with more posture. He started kicking back and pulling across his body harder uh, because it was high below. It was a weighted bat, and his body was trying to figure out ways to accomplish the task. Um, but I, I wouldn't call that, uh, you know, negatively. He, he was he wasn't compensating. He was trying to figure out a better way, and he wasn't actually thinking about it. It was just happening. But you don't see that happen the same way with a 16-year-old that's taken 5 million T-swings that's an elite player that has bad movements. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't see that because they're, they're, they're working under the constraints of, of what their preconceived movement patterns and notions of the swing are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe they could do that, but maybe it'll take five years. Like I don't, we, I don't have five years. I'm trying to get results for this kid. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get results for him, whether he's a professional guy, a college guy, a high school guy, we're trying to get results, you know? So uh, with young guys, it's a lot easier with young guys. You know, they do it better with older movers. It's not the same. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, one of the statements that you've said that I love is you said self-organization is not always self-optimization. Um, and to, to that point is just like you're saying, like we have a kid on our team um, and he, I mean, literally swings straight up. Like he could hit catcher pop-ups all day. And I'm like, Hey, swing down, swing down, swing. I, you know, I, again, I have to tell him the opposite that balance him back out. And he pops one up to the infield and he's like, coach, am I swinging down? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you just hit went to the, you do, well, you might think you're swinging down. So he has, 
you know, he has no idea how his body's moving through space. So in your, to your example, I told him, Hey, hit a chopper off this tee, hit this straight down right off the tee. I want it to bounce a foot in front of this plate. And then slowly, you know, teaching him some proprioception of how his body's moving, slowly hit choppers, then went to the pitcher, then went to the back of the cage, and then slowly work up to a launch angle that is optimal for him. And, uh, but again, you know, me just saying swing down to a younger hitter that doesn't know how he's moving through space, that didn't help him. He, he struggled for another, you know, 10 ABs because I couldn't figure out, you know, at the time that he didn't swing down to him. He doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know how he's moving through space. And so, you know, an external cue of swing, hit this ball off the tee and hit it a foot, you know, from this tee helped him self-organize um, a lot more efficiently than it would, you know, giving him an internal cue in that situation. Yeah, 100 percent, man. And, and everything is good, like internal cues, external cues, uh, freaking everything. Everything is good. Um, you know, it's just about trying to figure out what's going to get that guy to uh, produce a better result, you know, and I think, uh, gaining a shared understanding of their movement and deficiencies of their movement and working slowly through those movements, uh, forces their brain to understand, uh, what they do so they can become, uh, consciously, uh, incompetent, you know, Mm -hmm. they can be aware of their incompetencies and what they're failing at. And then as they work slowly through the movements, they can understand how the movement needs to change and they can even come up with some of their own uh, feels, some of their own understanding of the move. Some of their, like I had one kid tell me one time that, uh, well, okay, so that feels like I'm sweeping the bat into the zone. It feels uh, long and Mm -hmm. it was actually faster and his time Mm -hmm. in contact was better, but it felt long because he wasn't used to it. So, you know, sweeping into the zone became an important cue for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever's going to work for the individual. I mean, all it's all about the uh, the result that gets created, you know. Absolutely. And I don't know if I've talked about this. I, well, no, I did on the last, on the last podcast. But, uh, you know, like Freddie Freeman and J.D. Martinez are two of the best oppo guys in the game. And, you know, Freddie thinks down oppo and VP and, uh, JD never wants to hit another ground ball in, the, in his entire life. He's angry at ground balls and he's angry at swing down. Uh, they share, uh, vertical bat planes and they share very similar spray charts. I mean, it's the same spray chart, but flip, you know, it's uh, a lot of fly balls, oppo home runs all over the place, line drives sprayed, but heavy to the pull side and no oppo GVs, all full side ground balls. And you know, like, you, whatever you have to think to produce that result, like, uh, you know, it shouldn't matter, you know, and the reason they are good opposite field hitters is because they never hit the ball on the ground to the opposite field. And, you know, one of the biggest things I think coaches need to realize is that we should be focused on the result that's happening in the game, not the result that's happening in practice and allow guys based on those things to figure out how to produce their best result in a game. You know, if a guy needs to hit the ball on the ground oppo and VP and in practice to hit really well in games and let him do it, you know. Uh, if a guy needs to hit the ball, uh, you know, straight up in the air to the left fielder in practice to do better in games, let him do it. Um, you know, it really shouldn't matter. Like, it really shouldn't matter as long as they're getting results. Like, I had one kid tell me, 
couple weeks ago, um, you know, and their the team was a little, a little unhappy about it, but, uh, you know, the, their team uh, set up L screens in front of the first baseman, in front of the second baseman, in front of the shortstop, and in front of the third baseman. And they were not allowed to hit the ball between the nets. They were not allowed to hit the ball over the nets. They had to hit the ball directly at the nets. Now, it's a little confusing to me, to be honest, to hit directly into outs, um, you know, or train to just do that. Maybe it was just a barrel control day. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't venture to say. But, um, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make guys succeed, I could care less what it is. Well, that's the thing that I'm most curious about, and you guys are kind of kind of onto there at 108 is that process of individualization. You know, like you mentioned, players move specifically to their own motor uh, movements and designing implementations that will allow them the most efficient efficiently move. Like you've mentioned, um, I think most coaches agree that that process needs to happen. However, maybe in a team practice setting, they don't have the right resources to really do it in, in the full team practice setting. Um, what, what kind of advice would you give to the coaches that, that know that's the right way, but aren't sure how to efficiently do it in that, in that larger setting? Uh, find a way, find a way, just like anything else. Like I don't, uh, <laughs> I believe that we have time to do anything we choose to make time for. I believe that there's a way to accomplish any task and, uh, the best players find a way to get the job done. Uh, the best employees find a way to get the job done. Uh, they don't allow themselves to have excuses. Uh, as coaches, we would never allow them to have excuses. Uh, so why should we allow ourselves to make excuses for ourselves? Um, you know, I hear people talk about time constraints in the game all the time. And, oh, I only had my team for X amount of time, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, I... I you know, got the opportunity a while back, a couple of years ago, to watch uh, Scott Brown over at Vanderbilt, and uh, he runs one of the best pitching staffs in the country. And um, you know, like he, <laughs> the first question he asks guys when they come in is, "What's your plan for the day?" He exposes them to tons of things. He allows them to craft and build their own stuff, and and you know, he guides their process. Uh, I, I don't see why if he can do it under under that microscope, why everybody can't do it. Um, we, we need to not be afraid to make changes. Uh, we need to not base decisions based off of fear of, of lack of success uh, because those things will always hold us back. Uh, we need to open our minds towards different ways to, to do things. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's always a way. I don't care if your practice is, is two hours uh, five days a week or four hours, five days a week or three hours every other day. Uh, there's always a way to, to figure it out. You know, there's always a way to figure it out. Um, you know, and if, uh, if you don't have the time to dig in on the understanding of the swing itself, um, then I think it's not difficult to set up practices that are geared towards, you know, specific results. You know, like um, uh, set up three hitting stations and, you know, one of them and put guys that are similar body types or uh, produce similar results in the same groups and tell them what their jobs are. I heard Diggs over at Palooza this year, he talked about how he groups his hitters into like bombers, uh, runners, hitters, um, you know, and he classifies them differently and that, you know, determines their job within the team. 
you know, so, you know, group your guys together, you know, allow the bombers to hit together, allow them to share information with one another, allow them to try to make each other better, empower them with the ability to do it on their own. Tell them you don't care what they do as long as they put up results. Tell them that you need to, you know, we need you to hit, you know, 30 doubles this year. Find a way to do it. Uh, here are the things you can try. You can try that. Look, we got one kid. Um, we actually did an evaluation on one of his teammates the other day. Uh, this kid is a high school junior. Uh, he is six foot four. He weighs like 225 pounds. If he stands in front of a refrigerator, the refrigerator disappears. He's a monster. He's a left-handed hitter. He's a first baseman. And when he first came in, uh, I think he started with us in like, uh, I want to say December or January. You know, he was very pushy. He was very uh, ground ball, oppo driven. And he was afraid to pull the ball. He was afraid to turn his barrel. And he, as a junior, um, was not starting on his team. I mean, he was not starting on his team. And, um, he was getting limited at bat. They saw him as more of a pitcher. And about halfway through the season, he started to make some serious strides. And uh, as he wasn't hitting and getting opportunities, I think he was more willing to make changes. And uh, in the cage one day, I was like, look, dude, you, you got to stop being afraid to pull the ball. I said, I need you to do two things. I need you to hold the floor. Don't even worry about turning your lower half. And I need you to turn the barrel, and I need you to pull everything down the right field line. And what do you know? He starts hitting balls 100 miles an hour uh, in the pull gap, even though he was trying to pull it down the line. Uh, because I told him down the line for the pull side, and he was so focused on oppo that when I told him pull it down the line, he ended up somewhere in the middle, which was pull side gap. Um, he ended up absolutely taking off. Uh, he ended up the second half of the season starting in the lineup, hitting in the middle of the order, hitting home runs, hitting doubles, being a huge run producer for the team. And as a result, one of his teammates came in for an evaluation this weekend. You know, um, I, I think that uh, it's important that we allow certain guys, some guys need to think to pull, some guys need to think to go oppo on the ground, in the air. Uh, you, you just got to allow them to explore, man. If they're doing something and it's not working, uh, give them something else. Give them something else. Yeah, and also, too, I mean, um, just like you said, I think a big part of it, too, is a lot of coaches are afraid to get away from how their practices are ran or what a normal practice schedule looks like, you know, and, like, they want to make sure they get some, you know, run, stretch, throw, you know, indies, and then they go into some defensive work, and then they go straight into – batting practice and they want, you know, three rounds of 10 of, you know, whatever, you know, hit run. And then they do gap to gap or whatever their, your normal schedule is. But I think, you know, like you're saying, if, you know, it, it can definitely individualize, but you got to find a way where, like you said, maybe group, group one of the hitters, like you said, are your bombers, or maybe, you know, group two is your, your other guys. And they're all working on their three rounds could be different. Like, Hey, Johnny, John, and whatever, you know, you guys are doing this today, you know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, or you could just look at it statistically and say to yourself, you know what, we take uh, you know, at least 30 at-bats a game, and we only hit and run twice. So percentage-wise, we're only hitting and running. And granted, you have to put a higher emphasis on things that you need to execute when you need to execute them because you don't get multiple chances. Like, I get that. 
But on the same token, you got to allow guys to work on what they're going to do predominantly more often, right? Sure. Like you have to do that more often. And uh, people really look at the numbers. You know, you could say pitching and defense wins championships all you want, but the reality is the team that scores the most runs wins the baseball game. Very yeah. simple. Whoever scores more runs wins. So if you're bad at scoring runs, hit more. If you're good at scoring runs and crappy at defense, do more defensive work. Like, mm-hmm. you, you got to do what it's going to take to make the team win. And the better you hit, the more opportunities you have. Hitting is the hardest skill to do in the entire sport. Why wouldn't we focus on it more? Not to mention, oh, great, guess what? Players like to hit more. Players build a better culture when they hit more. They enjoy hitting more. They have more fun hitting more. Like, they're going to have more fun at practice if you allow them to hit more. Like, I, I, that's something I don't, I don't understand. Well, and then just like you said, some of these guys, they finally get in there to hit. They've been waiting around for, you know, we got a four-hour practice. They finally get their three rounds. So, you know, these guys are taking 15 to 20 swings the whole practice. Like, we take, you know. They hit a home run. They get yelled at. (laughs) I have guys that come into the shop that literally, if they they hit a home run in practice, like, they lose their round. Like, that's that's, that's real. Like, that's that's real. Like, they lose their round if they hit a home run. They lose their round if they hit a if they hit a ground ball to second base, they get to stay in. If they hit a home run, they lose their round. That's that's confusing to me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's what um I was so mind twisted my freshman year because our coach did that. And if we got the ball and left it out of the yard, we were done and I was just like, How does that even make sense? You're gonna you're gonna take things away from me because I just hit a, a middle and pitch four hundred and fifty feet to left center and now I can't hit anymore. I, I think that's one of the worst things that you can do to young players is, is you know, punish them for taking a good swing and, and, and letting they, let them stay in there for Judy and a ball to the right side. Or, or praise them for it. Or praise them for it and say, you know yeah. what? Uh, after you hit a home run, uh, you've already taken your best swing. I mean, so walk it off. Make it, a, make it a prideful thing to hit a home run on the first swing and walk out of the cage. Like, mm. <laughs> You know, yeah. like make it make 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 that like something special, like mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what we used to do when we're again more of a facility setting. But uh, back when you know at, on deck back in Vegas, we used to do the same thing. We take rounds, and if I hit a home run or I felt like I got through a baseball, my first swing, I'm like, okay, round over. Like that's what I was trying to accomplish. Like you know, and it was just that that was kind of like a thing. It was just like you know, the guys knew uh, multiple guys would do that. We just like you know we crush a ball. I'm like, okay, round over. Like. I want to feel that. I want to remember that swing for the next couple of minutes before my next round or whatever. So I, uh-huh. I, I agree with that too. Eugene, kind of taking a step back from the X's and O's and kind of the development. Um, what has the experience been like working with some guys like Austin Barnes and, and Jake Marisnik and kind of establishing a name for yourself here? Uh, I mean, awesome. I mean, it's uh, it's nice to be able to work with, uh, you know, with guys at that level of the game and, you know, have an impact on them and, um, you know, watch guys succeed with, uh, you know, getting some some opportunity to get some other perspectives and other information. And in that way, I think the game is, uh, you know, getting better and, and growing. You know, it's, uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, the, I don't know. It's a weird thing because, you know, getting, getting noticed for it is cool to some extent, but then on the other part of it, like, not doing anything different than I was doing before. You know what I mean? Like still just working hard to, 
make guys better. I guess uh, people just have more respect for it now than they did before. I don't know. For sure. Um, well, Eugene, we appreciate you kind of opening up some of those things and, and elaborating on it. I know me and Joey assumed that, that we'd be going into depth and that a lot of our listeners could pull something great from this. Um, if any of those guys would like to reach out, have any questions about that or, or anything else, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can reach out to us through the email, uh, 108 at 108 Performance Academy or 108PA.com. Uh, they can reach out to us through, you know, Instagram at 108 Performance, you know, or any of the other handles we have from the throwing room or from the, uh, you know, the lab setting, if they have any questions for any of those guys. Um, Twitter, uh, that's another good way to uh, engage or, or reach out, or they could call us, um, you know, in the office, you know, so those are all, those are all fine ways or reach out to any of the, uh, you know, any of the uh, awesome staff members that we have. Um, so, you know, Park gets out here next week, Dawes gets out here next weekend, uh, Womack's out here, um, you know, Boyum uh, gets out here next week. So, you know, reach out to any of those guys individually. That all, that all works too. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, hey, we appreciate you getting coming on with us. Um, guys, 108's doing a whole bunch of great things over there. Um, you know, two awesome facilities. Got a whole bunch of guys coming in, and uh, they're really going to be, you know, driving some groundbreaking stuff here in the next year or so. So you stay in tune with them. Eugene's going to be, you know, someone's going to pick him up real soon. He's not going to stay on the market for too long. And, uh, Eugene, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pleasure, man. It's an honor to be on and to be considered for. You guys are doing a great job with it and getting some phenomenal guys on here. So uh, anybody spreading knowledge in the uh, of the game and where it's going is, you know, awesome. And, um, you know, everybody that does, you know, kind of follow us or, you know, I would stay, stay in tune. We have a lot of awesome things kind of coming out and in the next couple of months. It's going to be a lot of fun because we've, um, you know, there's a bunch of things that we're testing and, and working on and a lot of information we are going to be, uh, you know, kind of pushing out there uh, here in the next six to 12 months. So it's going to be a very exciting time. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, man. And uh, we'll be hearing from you soon. Awesome. Thanks guys. Well, let me tell you something. That's one smart man right there. This call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Man, I think smart is an understatement. Him opening some of those things up will really challenge our listeners. What was your biggest call takeaway, Joey? Um, I think the biggest thing with Eugene is it's always challenging and, and he challenges his coaches because I think he just takes such a responsibility in players' lives and um, really to challenge ourselves. You know, we, we know if we know the right information, we have all the right information, you know, it's now our job to execute. It's now our job to find a way to teach it. It's now our job as the teacher, the instructor, um, the, the, the parent, the brother, the, the whatever we play and some of these players' lives um, to find a way – to execute and teach them the knowledge. So I think that's the biggest thing. And I love about him is he takes a lot of ownership in that. And he also challenges us to take ownership in that as well. What about you, Bo? Yeah, I agree. That's kind of what I was thinking, echoing your points there. Um, I loved how he, how he puts that, that role onto us and puts that responsibility onto us. It's not only enough for us to 
spread the knowledge to our players, but to indiv- individualize it, understand our players, understand what works for them as far as queuing, you know, what, what implements will get them in the right positions. You know, knowledge isn't enough. It's how to in, uh, individualize that knowledge towards our players. And I think that's kind of how the game of baseball is going. So um, that was my biggest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, you know, great episode to share. Um, Eugene's been on multiple different podcasts. Every time the man opens his mouth, I want to hit a record button so we can try to take in um, what this man has dedicated to the game and the knowledge that he has um, and just the, the motor learning and, and skill acquisition knowledge that he brings to the game. And it's just it's just amazing. So great episode to share right here. Uh, it, there's a lot of people that are fans of Eugene and 108 and what they're doing over there. Um, great to share this information, you know, get them kind of hooked on to him and, and latch it on to some of this information. He's going to be doing some great things here in the next year or so. Um, you want to get on the train quick and, and start following and trying to catch up now because I'm telling you, at some point, He's just going to be too far ahead of us. We need to we need to stay on with him. So share this episode. Follow us on social media. Share our, our, our stuff on social media. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're subscribed because you never want to miss an episode. This is one you don't want to miss. As always, you can find a whole bunch of resources, a whole bunch of information. And again, big things coming. Keep staying tuned to our website, thesystem.farm. Reach out to us if you have any questions. Reach out to us if you're trying to implement, you're taking ownership in your practices, how, how you're, we should implement certain things of this episode, what we can do to make it more applicable to you. Um, any comments you have, make sure to get in contact with us through our social media or the website. But until next time, Farm System Up.